Good evening. This is Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundance Success Series. Our primetime mastermind that promotes empowered, focused, decisive action, and inspired outcome. Our spotlight is on planting hope. And the man that has inspired the film short funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Pearl Fryer. He's also the inspiration behind the documentary, A Man Named Pearl. He is a great example of what can happen when you try something new and discover hidden talent beyond imagination. Pearl is an internationally acclaimed topiary garden artist, and he has taken for the past 30 years or more throwaway plants, plants no one wanted, and has grown them upwards of 20 feet or more. They are seen all over Bishopville, South Carolina. Pearl's Garden also funds his foundation to help students further their dreams so they can also give back to the community. To find out more about Pearl, go to his website. You'll see that he's been featured on HGTV, Martha Stewart Living, Oprah's Own TV. He's been featured in the Wall Street Journal. He's even addressed students at Harvard University and many other institutions. PearlFryer.com. Pearl gives his pearls of wisdom in this wonderful interview. You'll enjoy. Pearl Fryer, welcome to Building Abundant Success. How are you doing today? Fine, and you? I'm doing wonderful. I have uh, seen your movie, and I thought it was just very, very inspiring. I want you to tell the audience a bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you do. Well, I'm Pearl Fryer from Bishopville, South Carolina, and uh, over the years I've created a garden that, that 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 have received national attention, and I use my creative ability. But I was 40 years old before I could afford it, but I made a success out of it anyway. Wow! Where are you? Where did you come from, and what type of schooling and upbringing did you have? Well, I grew up in North Carolina, Clinton, North Carolina, and I grew up on a farm. And uh, my father was a sharecropper. So after graduating from high school, I decided, you know, I I want to do something other than farm. So to get an opportunity to go to college, got drafted in the military, and uh, came back, went back to school, and ended up in New York, and got a job in New York. Did you like what you were doing there? Did I enjoy being there? Yeah. Did you like the uh... The North being a Southerner, did you did you like the fast pace of the Northerners? <laughs> well, it was quite a transition, but it was a positive one. Because I, at that time, in 1958, I went off to college, and I, and I went to New York in 1962. And it was during the Social Revolution. It was really during that major change in the 60s. And uh, so I was kind of part of the whole movement. And it was... As far as I was concerned, it was a very positive experience. And then it was the era of Woodstock and all of that. So I think that was really beginning the change that we see today. Now, what did you do in your other career before you started your garden? Well, I, I worked for uh, Rick Sam, a packing company. And um, I came to South Carolina to help start an operation that the uh at Coca-Cola, they built a filler here, mm-hmm. and they wanted a can make an operation next door. So I came to help start that operation up, and it was 150 miles from my home, so I decided to stay with this idea. Awesome. In 
You're transitioning from working and doing your garden. How long was it before you could uh, actually do what is required of that garden full time? Well, I created the garden during my during working. You know, in other words, I, I retired in 2002. Mm-hmm. I bought a piece of property that my garden is on in 1980, and I had my home built, had the house built, and moved here in '81. And I started in 81 with recycled plants or throwaway plants because the nursery here, uh, there's a huge nursery, wholesale nursery. And when they clean out the nursery, they recycle those plants. And they allowed me to go into that pile and get those recycled plants out that I built the garden from. And recycling those plants, many of these, you say, were throwaway. How long did it take, like, say, to rehabilitate a plant or two? I mean, did it take a long time? Not really, because there was no time limit. I didn't pay no attention to it because I, all I wanted to do over a period of time was create this garden. And then I have, I had so much other work to do in order to prepare the soil. And, uh, it was a, I would say from 1981 to about 1990, it was just a continual process of trying to get my ideas together and to see them work. So it wasn't a matter of time. It wasn't a time limit because it wasn't something I was dependent upon for income. I wasn't to ask, and going back to, you said you were part of the, um, I guess, the 60s revolution to now. In your work, your working and your career, what have you seen? What what are the changes or have you seen and how far uh, do we still have to go? Because you were, you know, you, you actually witnessed the change of the social revolution and uh, the civil rights movement and many other movements that came about even through the 70s up to the early 80s. Well, I think for person, I grew up in the South, and anything at that time was a change. I think the biggest change that I, I witnessed was, uh, and because Jackie Robinson was like a role model. So when Jackie Robinson broke into the major in 1947, I was that kid in North Carolina was looking for one thing, and that was hope. And to see what he had accomplished, not from an educational point of view, but from a talent point of view, that I always kind of looked for what I do well. And and to be honest with you, there was a period in my life I thought I was going to be the next Roy Campanella for the Brooklyn Dodgers, Kessler for the Brooklyn Dodgers. (laughs) Wow. Because, because every kid in my neighborhood at that point, their way out was going to be play Major League Baseball because you, you saw it happening. And so this is a change, and this is a part that if I had the talent, I would have control in my destination, right? Right. And so that was really the beginning. Uh And I never played one day a Major League Baseball but the hope that Jackie Robinson gave me is one of the reasons I'm where I am today. And one of the things about Jackie Robinson, he was a UCLA man, educated, but he made it to the Hall of Fame off in talent, so that really gave me hope. What do I do well that I can get respect for? Mm-hmm. And it ended up cutting up bushes. Wow. Now, your father was a sharecropper. His worth ethic, how much of that do you take into what you do today? Well, one of the things I learned by working that 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 by that I grew up on a farm, I really didn't know how to work. See, 
that's that can be part of success too. The ability to really work. Because a lot of time what happens, people work hard but 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 they allow work to take advantage of them instead of them taking advantage of work. So that's why I could get so much accomplished in such short, short length of time because I really know how to take advantage of work. And that really was one of the things I learned from my father. And one of the, that was one of the things that came from growing up in that era where work was what determined your ability to work was almost what determined how well you could feed your family. How far do you think we need to go? Because we're in, uh, of my generation and yours, we're talking about a couple generations. What do you see and what we can learn from you in terms of that work ethic? Well, I'm where I am because of work. Mm-hmm. And the second reason would be that I was, at some point in my life, I was able to afford my talent. Mm-hmm. One of the things I talk to students about today is don't allow your test scores, your SAT scores, to determine where you go in life. Because in the final analysis, success is about work, passion, and marketing. And what you do well may never show up on a test score. So, number one, don't allow someone to tell you what you can and can't do according to test score. And so I did well. I got no problem with it. But in the final analysis, when I was able to afford my talent, I became known for what I do well. And it didn't come out of a book. I taught myself. Amen. That's wonderful. You said that you were a C student. And uh, you stressed that, uh, you know, many of these people are overlooked. Uh, we always go for the A's and the B's. Can you explain that? Well, I give scholarships to C students. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I give scholarships to C students is for the lack of financial resources to develop their talent. Because if you are average academically, then the odds are you're very talented in some other area. And nine times out of ten, that resource financially is not there for you to develop that talent. And so I think that's why we stigmatize so many students by their test scores. Because they accept the fact that I I, my SAT score is not going through the roof. I can't be successful in life. And sometimes they give up hope. And um, my point is, if we are serious about crime and poverty, education should be number one. And it is the responsibility of any person that can afford to help someone less fortunate than you are, then that's what we should do. That's what change the community, if we're serious. Because today, you're going nowhere without an education, at least an associate degree. Because my, the students I give scholarships to must go to a junior college, a community college. And my idea is, once you get an associate degree, then you can always add to it. Five years later, ten years later, you can always go back and get a bachelor's degree. Once you get your foot into that door, uh, on your resume, that will, uh, an associate degree will look better than a high school diploma. So that's, that's kind of my emphasis from an average person, from a middle-class person that can't afford to give a lot of money, but to do something with what I can afford to do. People always want to attach their name to success. That's why right. they will give a scholarship and say, you must go into a certain field. Right. That's a mistake. 
because everyone is not talented into that field. Everyone is, may not may not be academically gifted, but the same people will complain when they call a plumber and the plumber gives them the bill. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, okay. you can't do it. So there are those people out there that would be very good plumbers. They're very good mechanics. See, you can't repair your car. So that's a critical area also. Right. You see? Yeah, we've gotten rid of vocations in schools, too. They used to teach different things like, you know, the home ec, the shop. Um, we, we're, we're getting rid of that, and we're putting people in. And people can do good at that, but it's not their heart's passion. I know a lot of people who went to law school, are they lawyers? No, they don't want to do it. Oh, I know a lawyer now that has, owns a nursery. They were very successful on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And they woke up one morning and said, this is not what I want to do. But the thing about it is, if you have the same resources at the bottom mm-hmm. that you have at the top, you're going to curb crime. Because that resource is not always going to be Harvard, Yale. It's going to be technical, you know. And even today, and I grew up in, in a system where we had shop and all that, but but you you need tech today. You cannot teach enough in high school that you will be able to go out and get a job. You need an, you need an associate degree in whatever you want to do. Right. You see what I mean? Otherwise, if you if you want to be a good plumber, I mean, when when you see these major contractors and they hire plumbers to do mm-hmm. their plumbing work, mm-hmm. they want to see paper. Right. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not only talking about plumbing from a, a home, you know, that kind of thing. But when you want to go out and bid on jobs for the plumbing work for that building, it bothers me when I hear people say, well, that person is only able to work with their hands. We should take more care of people that work with their hands. What about people that work, the person that operates a computer is working with their hands, putting their mm-hmm. brain? That's right. Doctors right? work with their hands. Okay. So just because that person is working as a plumber, that was his talent. Right. You see? Mm-hmm. But Jack Robinson made it to the Hall of Fame with his hands. Right. Huh? Mm-hmm. So don't I, I I think sometimes we the way we talk to students about technical school as if you don't have what you you can't be successful have what that person has because they're a lawyer or doctor but that's not true I mean Sam Walton this guy created Walmart mm-hmm. from Arkansas mm-hmm. and uh, I mean I don't think he had a PhD from Harvard Business School. Most of the millionaires and billionaires haven't, you know, don't have degrees. They don't have degrees. But but we don't. We as a fat society judge people by academics. Mm-hmm. See, academics, academics, and then we are so shocked because I talk to students all the time, and I'm, and one of the things I talk to them about: look at that student in the back of your class. That's barely going to get out of class. This class, I'm barely going to get out of college. Because someday you may be working for that. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's so true. just because you're not academically gifted, if you if you create something and you need academics, you can always hire academics for 99% of the people that get an education, get an education to work for someone else anyway. 
Do not sell yourself short because what you do well didn't show up on that test. That's right. my point. You know? I mean, you can start a business and fail. It's no different from uh, getting a job and getting laid off. So there's always those obstacles. Success is determine how you handle those obstacles. I think guy that owns the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, I think he must have failed about six times. But he built a billion-dollar stadium. Right. So failure is, is also a lesson, too. Success is determined by how well you're able to handle your obstacles in life. See what I mean? If you if you fail, get up and try again. Don't give up. But who's going to listen to me? I only cut up bushes. <laughs> in the documentary, A Man Named Pearl, um, I was able to see your artistry, and I know it's taken some time three decades to build what you do have now. Can you tell us what you uh, are able to teach students that come to where you're at and, and learn from you? Because I'm sure this is a art form you would love to see passed on for generations. Well, wh- well, what I have accomplished is, 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 is a little more inspiration to everyone, mm-hmm. even, if you're, even if you're a straight-A student. If you're an engineer, doctor, professor, or whatever, that's your that's your passion. That's what you would like to become. In the final analysis, even that is determined by work, passion, and marketing. It doesn't matter how much education you get. As long as you work from the book, as long as you work from the talk, from what you were taught, then uh, you're never going to get credit for what you do. Mm-hmm. So whether you're a C student or an A student, at some point in your life, you made a decision to find out what you do well, and with that passion, marketing, and work, you're going to be successful. Because it doesn't matter how smart you are, if you don't want to work, you're not going to do anything anyway. You mentioned marketing. That's a key to an awful lot. Can you explain the marketing side? Because many people don't understand that part of, of business. Well, as far as I'm concerned, one of the people I look at and I I, I really admire a lot, it would be uh there's a couple of people. Um, it would be Jackie Robinson number one, because that was the beginning of my in nineteen forty seven, I mean I was a kid. And uh then Oprah Winfrey, she's very impressive with what she done, even though she was a very intelligent person. But she knew how to take the system and make the system work for her from her because she was a smart person. Mm-hmm. And uh Bill Gates was a person that dropped out of college. Mm-hmm. But he had an idea. And once he got that idea to the point that he needed academics, he went back to Harvard, and, and I'm, I'm just imagining, and he had probably cum laude and summa cum laude and all of this. In the final analysis, he is the second richest man in the world and you will never hear anyone complain about working for a college dropout. So that is the case there where I think uh, he did not allow certain things to, to hinder him or keep him from accomplishing what he set out to accomplish because he knew his ability. And he knew that if he ever got it to the point that he needed academics, 
You can always hire us. I can't get past asking because you grew up in a time that was uh, during the civil rights movement and race played a major role in African-American men and women being able to advance to many, many levels during that time. Can you let our audience know what you experienced then and even in starting your garden? um, How have you been able to build bridges over these years? Well, if you remember in the movie, I talked about obstacles. Mm-hmm. Okay, life is about how well you handle your obstacles. Well, I would say the obstacles in from I was born in 1939. I'm 72, so from 1939 until 1958, the day that I went off to college, the day that I left home, mm-hmm. uh, those obstacles is no more than what you will face today. Is how well you negotiate your obstacles as, as also a part of success. If you said to me, you have never had any obstacles in life, then I'm going to say to you, what planet are you from? <laughs> yes. So whether you were born in the north, whether you were born in the south, whether you were born out in the west, or in the Midwest, at some point in your life, there, there was decision you had to make that would affect you for the rest of your life. The moment that you allow obstacles that you face to determine where you go, then that's the end of what you're going to try to accomplish. You see? So anytime someone build on, uh, dwell on the past from a negative point of view, it is also a hinder. But if you dwell on the past from a positive point of view, then you can build on the changes and success that you're going to face. So, I'm no different. I'm just an average person that took an average situation and kind of worked from from an extraordinary uh, uh, point of view. Now, if you look at really successful people, that I would I would think, and when I say really successful people, I would talk about people like Oprah Winfrey, that grew up in the South, had nothing, and became a major figure in our society today, and one of the person that is one of the reasons for a successful change, because she knew how to take her past and turn it into a positive situation. Any successful person, I think, especially from an African-American point of view, one generation from the success, like, if you, if I check my three generations, I'm talking slavery. Mm-hmm. So the average American, uh, my age is only about three generations from slavery. Right. And a lot of success today, the young people that you see, there's about, maybe about four generations from slavery. Okay. See, so each generation made progress and no generation is as, is going to be as bad as the generation, the, uh, the present generation will never always be better than the second generation. Right. And each generation is going to get better. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you look at the situation in today, well, we have made progress, and and everyone admit that, you know, we got we got quite a ways to go. But the next generation will be better than this generation. Right. So this generation is going to be the generation I feel. Now this is just my personal feeling. 
that America is really going to rise to the standard which it should be. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Thousands visit your garden yearly, and you have 150 topiaries on three acres of property, that is? Well, when I do topiaries? Mm-hmm. Well, you got to realize what I do is for my creative ability mm-hmm. that I've had all my life. Mm-hmm. As, as a kid growing up, I got in more trouble cutting up things, <laughs> making things, because I grew up on a farm, and it was always something to work on. Mm-hmm. And then my father would, would need what I had cut up, and he, you know, sometimes I get punished for it, you see, because no one ever says anything to me about my creative ability. It got me in more trouble than anything else. Wow. But at age 40, I could afford it. Mm-hmm. And the reason I could afford it is the fact that when I moved to South Carolina from New York, the company that I worked for in New York, mm-hmm. the key to my success was that my ch- my salary didn't change. So I, w- I was living in a part of the country that uh, the cost of living was much different from in New York. Mm-hmm. Now I have a few dollars to put in a hobby, which I could use my creative ability. And in the final analysis, I w- now I'm able to try to help someone else, you know. But... All those years, no one will recognize it at 40 years old. Right. And we're losing, I think, too many students that's talented in, some, in other areas than academics or athletes. And for the lack of financial resources, and no matter what you go to do, at some point it becomes economic. Right. Now, with your garden, um, you said you had the money to put into building your three acres of property. And uh, I read that it has 400 different plants. Um, what are you passing along to students? I understand you have a scholarship program. Well, what I pass along to any student is this. It's just three things. Mm-hmm. Work, passion, and marketing. Find what you do well, okay. which may never show up on a test score. And an individual knows themselves better than anyone else. So you get as much education as you can because at some point you must deliver it. It might take you four years. It might take you five years. It might take you six years. But then once you get that education, you cross it with what you do well, then you become a master of what you do. You, see, if you, you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Other words, if you, if you, uh, if you only talk about an idea, Right. And not, and not try to develop it, then it's not going to go anyplace. And if you have an idea and wait until you get everything you need to complete a project, you will never start. Got that right. So you start with what you have and the odds are in your favor that if you're sincere, you work with that passion and you meet a hundred people. Within that hundred people, they're always going to be a good person. And that person will walk up to you, and this has happened to me, and say, I'm, I will, I'm going to help you. And if you don't believe that, look at the movie Blindside. There are thousands and thousands of those people that's never going to get a movie made about them. You're never going to hear about them because positive, negative in itself, you very seldom hear positive things up front. Because yes, it doesn't right. really sell. Mm-hmm. 
So it has to be something really spectacular that you almost have to give it attention. But then there are thousands and thousands of people out there that have have helped other people make a difference in their lives. Your garden, what are your plans for the future and your preserving your art form? Well, the plan for the garden is about three weeks ago, well, about three weeks ago, uh, uh, my 501c3 was approved by the RS. So now I have a personal foundation. And the, and the foundation is Pearl Fried Topiary Garden Incorporated. So now I have a nonprofit organization in which people can donate and you, and you get a tax write-off. And the purpose of that foundation is for the preservation of this garden, but the garden also must always give scholarship. And my scholarship is, I'm saying, is the junior college or community college. Now, here in Lee County, we have a uh, Central Carolina, and it costs $1,500 semester for a student, send a student. Yeah. So that means you can actually educate, uh, um, for about $6,000. And yeah. I think that's a good investment. Yes. It is. It but is. Then, but, but I, I don't understand why more of that is not being done because I had a professor came through two weeks ago mm -hmm. that started out in, at Tech. Today she's a professor at Francis Marion College and she has a PhD. Wonderful. But I mean, just you, you, you all, you can add to that associate degree, number one. Number two, you are going to get more individual attention. And a lot of students that we think is not academically gifted because it didn't show up on a test score only because they've never been exposed to it. Mm -hmm. So you can't get it by osmosis. So it doesn't matter how brilliant you are, there's some things you must be exposed to if you expect to show it back on, show it on a test. And if you're coming out of the prime area, from a, either either from from a uh, educational point of view, where are you gonna get it from? Mm -hmm. You see, mm -hmm. I tell you one of the people that I, um, that that I really admire because I know where he came from, and he's from South Carolina, and he grew up in Lake City, and is Ron McNair. Ron McNair was one of the people that was on the, on that challenge. That's right. All right. Ron McNair, if you saw where he came from, you would have never thought he would have, would have received a PhD from MIT. You understand? Wonderful. See, but somewhere along the line, he was able to catch up, catch, he was a brilliant person, but he was able to, to catch up academically. Because you just don't get a PhD from MIT on that. On, you know. mm -hmm. So that's my point. You know, you must be exposed to that material that is required to, to make a high score on that test. And if you if you've never been exposed to it, I don't care how brilliant you are, it's going to be a lacking. That makes sense. It makes wonderful sense. I wanted to know: Do you plan to expand your garden? Well, the garden, the garden is on a garden to other people. Mm -hmm. The garden is not a garden to me. A garden is just one, a means in which I had to express 
my ability. Mm-hmm. It happened to be with plants. Mm-hmm. It would not be any different if I was, which I can't do, if I could do it, instead of being plants, it would be on a canvas. Wow. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. So other people look at it as a garden. I look at it as a means to express my inability that I couldn't do it with anything else. I couldn't do it from a test point of view. Mm-hmm. I could not do it by a painting, a drawing. But I have the ability to imagine image and take throwaway plants. I have a pile of junk. I make a lot of metal pieces and create those pieces and never work from paper. And one of the reasons I like that is because once you do anything that you do and you do it from paper, uh, from a print, that means that someone else can do it. So I wanted to create a garden. And within that garden, there was a message. You can only walk so far in my garden before you see the word love, I love you, love, peace, hate, hurt. But it was so designed that the last thing you see before you leave my garden is love, peace, and goodwill. Wonderful. And so now I have a, I have accomplished this, I have accomplished that message, but I also have accomplished one thing, another thing, is that you can walk through my garden take pictures, and you can't copy what I do. So now I've created something that no matter where you go, how how long you live, or where, if you ever walk through this garden, you will never forget it. And it's very simple. It's not complex. It's not, it's very, very simple. And some things, the most enjoyable things in life is, from a simple point of view, the moment you complex life, then you're going to lose it. Simplicity is the way to go. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Um, I had uh, seen your film short funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And uh, this is something uh, that has gained you a lot of attention after, say, 25, 30 years of just doing uh, the work you love in a hobby. Um, I was wondering, where do you want to go from here? Where am, am I going to go from here? Yeah, what do you see yourself? Well, my thing is, I'm 72, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So life, you know, I'm not going to be living to 100, 110 or something, I don't think. I, you I could. Think on my father's <laughs> side, a pretty long life. Uh, mm-hmm. Like 80, 85, 90, 95. That's, that's great. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of coming in the final days of my life. And to you, one of the things that make me feel good today, and I always say to students, no matter what you accomplish in life, your later days in life, the one thing that will make you feel better about yourself, it's not going to be what you accomplish. It's going to be the difference you have made in other people's lives. So if I have made that, I have, I know for a fact that I have made a lot of difference. And I did it from an average point of view, from a middle-class point of view. And I have reached a point where today I have a foundation board, and they are in the process. The reason these people give all their time and is that they want to carry on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. See? So 
The other thing that I say to students is this. If you have an idea and uh and once you get it to the point that you need academics, you check the circle you run in. If you're the smartest person in your circle, you want to run with people smarter than you. That is why I have a foundation today. That's why people are working to save my garden. If I had to pay for what it costs to get that foundation from a legal point of view, I would never have accomplished a foundation. But it's only because of the people around me want to help and make sure they like what I do, they like that idea, and they want to make sure that the resources is there to carry it on when I'm gone. So that goes back to what I said before. If you do something well and you work at it with a passion and you meet a 100 people, you're going to meet someone that can say, I, I'm i going to help you. And when you know you have arrived, is when you meet those people that can pick up a phone and, and make a phone call and change your life. Beautiful. We can reach you at pearlfryer.com? Yeah, my pearlfryer.com is my website. Uh, any information you want about me is on my website. My foundation is Pearl Fry Topiary Garden and Culture. That is a nonprofit organization. If you give a donation, then it's tax deductible. And it will go for the preservation of the garden and scholarship. As I said before in summary, is no matter what I accomplish, no matter what the people around me have accomplished, and this is the reason they are helping me, is because they are at that point in their life, they want to feel good about helping make a difference. And you're never going to change our society. You're never going to uh poverty and crime without education. And there's nothing wrong with starting with junior college or community college because once you get an associate degree, you can always add to it. Thank you so much for this interview. This has been great, and I know my audience is going to love it. Well, thank you for having me. I feel really honored. And if ever your audience get a chance in the end stop by and see me. Awesome. It's very easy to find. And when you, if you come into Bishopville, and you ask someone, don't ask Pearl Fry's Chopper Garden. I always ask, where does the man live that cut up bushes? <laughs> Wonderful. I'm serious. I'm known in this villa, the man that cut up bushes. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you.